Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is the retro show on Wednesday nights and we're looking back at games between Newcastle United and Southampton. It's a big welcome to our new sponsors, which you might have spotted in the new graphics, skipsandbins.com. I like that. That's a really good graphic, isn't it? He looks as if he could play on this uh, Friday night as well against Leicester. Um, more yes. mobile in the midfield. Definitely. Skipsandbins.com. Uh, there you go. There's the telephone number. 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. And the website is www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free and pay as you go. Waste collection. Think of a few players will be sticking in those bins at the end of the season. The adverts on the telly are quite jolly, actually. I have got a crack in tune. <laughs> yeah. Good, good stuff. And uh, the, the eagle-eyed of you will have noticed that the new uh, Three Amigos poster was on there. And there it is. Yeah. Uh, so join me, of course, Steve, uh, Keith and Neil uh, down at Baker Grove on Friday night. Um, <laughs> Keith looks really good as, uh, really as uh, Ant McPartland there, doesn't he? It does. And uh, as for Steve, Steve looks like a very good Jeff. Um, I think it's Jeff, unless he's deck. I'm not on earth sure what I look like, but uh, I look as if I should be in some kind of, um, I don't know, like uh, cage or something. It looks, it's a cross between. You look like the lad from Deliverance, Steve. You should have a banjo. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And and I've got no idea who I'm standing with. Like, But uh, yeah, what a strange one. But yeah, thanks for that, Baker. (laughs) The Baker Grove poster is is there, and that'll be uh, yes. We are doing the three amigos half past five on uh, Friday night. Long session for me because obviously Newcastle play uh, against Leicester eight o'clock kickoff, and it'll be a half past seven start for the match day live on Friday. A lot of lot of people asking about the amigos, but yeah, definitely be going ahead. Uh, also, I might as well do the rest of the sponsor shout outs instead of later on. Spider VPN for all your internet security. Of course, that is your uh, one of our main sponsors for the last few months, and they have agreed to sponsor us again this month. And QTechShop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End and Newcastle, uh, they have come on board uh, right at the start of the uh, show, and uh, they've been with us ever since. Big shout out to John and to Jab Signature as well. Uh, big shout out to John, he's got his new uh, label coming out later this year. If you're a first-time visitor to the channel, hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner, and that's it. You've subscribed, hit the thumbs up to like the video, click share to share it to your social media, and join the chat by going into the comments section and uh, chatting with like-minded Newcastle United fans. If you want to get us on other um, platforms, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to us when you're out walking the dog. I'll also give that a plug as well. The NUFC fans, foodbank.co.uk, the match day bucket will be operational as always on Friday night. Uh, just like going and giving your cans and food to the food bank on a match day, you can donate uh, financially across the world wide web on match day night. And last, but by no means least, the new t shirt is on my Twitter. This one will be popular with Julie, no doubt, um, who's a big fan of the cat. Uh, hashtag Troll of the Week t shirt. There's the cat in action on his computer, and uh, that's a, a rather snazzy dark blue number, and it's the first dark blue NUFC Matters T-shirt that we've had for the food bank. So get your bids in. It's uh, pinned to my social media, Twitter account, at Steve Wraith. Get your bids in, and um, all the proceeds from all of our T-shirts go to the food bank. And I think Steve on Friday should have some kind of total for us so far as to how much we've raised. So look forward to that. So without further ado, let us get to uh, George for his first Southampton game. Well, uh, tonight, lads, is a, the theme about my two games are centre-forwards. Uh, one, one of my favourite uh, topics in football, always. And uh, both the games I've, I've, uh, was at, and, and part of the reason I was at them was because uh, uh, there was something I wanted to see uh, related to the centre-forwards playing in the games. The first one is... Uh, 29th of April, 67. Uh, and uh, the centre forward who was uh, really hot then was our very own Wynn Davis. Um, he was playing in a, a run of form at that time where he was practically untouchable. And in the first half, um, he just ran Southampton ragged. And by half time, we were three up. Uh, goals by uh, Wynn himself, 
Peter Noble and Brian Robson. Uh, and the other two were set up by Wynne Davis, knockdowns and, and layoffs and, and that sort of thing. He was just unplayable that particular uh, in that particular game. Uh, and our team was was uh, quite a good one, actually. Marshall, Craig, Clark, Elliot, McNamee, Ailey, uh, Robson, uh, Hilly, Davis, uh, Noble, and uh, Bennett and Noble. Uh, and and uh, they were playing really, really good football, but but led uh, by Wynne Davis, as I say, who was uh, untouchable at 3-0. The other part of the game was another centre-forward got involved. The second half, uh, a young man by the name of Martin Chivers appeared in the Southampton side. He was huge. I mean, I hadn't seen him in the flesh before, but I hadn't realised just how big he was. I mean, he was so tall and broad, he even made McNamee look uh, look quite small. And uh, within, uh, um, within a, a minute of, of the start of the second half, um, he, he got Southampton back into the game and he caused us all sorts of bother. Um, Southampton at that time had a number of, of uh, great players, some coming to the end of their careers, some uh, still making their way in the game. But uh, in the front line, for example, as, uh, as well as Chivers, there was Jimmy Melia, who they got from, South, from Liverpool, whose career was supposed to be over when he left Liverpool. But he got a new lease of life when he went to Southampton and he... And he, he really had another career with them. He even got back into the England team with them. And uh, he was excellent. Um, and then trying to co- I was trying to think how to compare him with the modern-day footballers. And the, the most uh, polite way I could say was he, he was a shelvy with, uh, with some bottle uh, and, and, some, uh, and some goods. Um, he had the long ball. He had the short ball. He could score a good goal. Uh, and uh, he really was a tal- talented player. As I say, he could keep going for quite a long time. Uh, playing on the right wing was Terry Payne, who, who was England right winger then. Very quick, very tricky. Uh, Give our full-backs quite a hard time, especially in the second half. Um, and, of course, in the forward line as well was uh, Mick Shannon, who was who was the current England player at the time. And uh, another David, Ron Davis, was was the, to made up the rest of their line. Um and the second half was much more even, but largely because of, of the big centre-forward. What a difference he made. Wynn Davis still kept pressing them, but um, the fact that we had to look after Shivers in, uh, in the way that we did took a bit of the pressure off our, our defence. The other thing I wanted to mention in that game is it was nice to see two managers, Joe Harvey and Ted Bates, both of whom did the lot, you know, played played for the team, captained the team, and then went on to manage their team. Uh, Joe Harvey for us and Ted Bates for Southampton. And Ted Bates had a good reputation in football. So it was nice to see those two old uh, uh, gentlemen of, uh, of football uh, battling out against each other. But a 3-1 win to the Magpies in a, in a very good game. Uh, and the crowd was 42,500. Which was uh, which was quite good for that uh, that particular season. So that's my first one, three uh, one, and in, in, in April '67. Good stuff, Mitch. Over to you, mate. Um, Southampton's always been a team I've enjoyed watching play. They've, for me, they've always been had this combination of three things: exciting young talent coming through that have not been frightened to play, um, experienced players who've gone there and they're getting this a second. Lease in, of life in the in that career, and they always seem to try and play good football. So they're one of these teams you like to to to, to go up against. Um, my first games in March '87. Uh, that season was start, started appallingly. Um, we were um, up and down, all really rarely out of the bottom half of the table. Uh, by March time, um, we'd lost I think eight and twelve. Uh, and we were rock bottom. Um, but this was the game that then inspired we to go on and manage to avoid relegation. Um, and the two players that we were thankful for for that were Goddard and Gaza. And this game was all about Paul Goddard and Paul Gascoigne. And you've heard me go on about this on the show before. Probably our one of our most underrated players, Paul Goddard, in terms of what he could do, what he delivered, and what he did for the club. 
Um, always had a goal in him, but always was able to hold the ball up, bring other people into play. Um, the game itself, um, like I say, it was all about Goddard and Gazar and a certain Peter Beardsley. Uh, the first first half saw Beardsley dink the lovely little cross for, for Goddard to head in. Uh, and the second half, or the second goal, um, probably one of the best counter-attacking goals I've seen at St. James's Park. Uh, they were breaking through on the edge of the 18-yard box. I think it was Neil McDonald slid in, took the ball off the toes of the striker. He then just kept going with it, went out to the left-hand side. And then there was a fantastic sort of four-way interplay between McDonald, Wharton, um, I think Beardsley and Goddard. That stuck Wharton through. Um, and basically all he had to do was roll it across the box and Gaza tapped it in at the Gallagher end. And the Gallagher end went mental. And that 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 win was vital that season at keeping us up. It was it was the it was the catalyst for making sure we had this great escape that season. Um, and and it was down to two two players, one who we didn't see enough. Well, probably both who didn't see enough of in a black and white shirt, but for different reasons. But I think the contribution that Paul Goddard made that season still remains very very underrated uh, amongst the fan base. Yeah, no, it definitely does. George, yeah, that game you mentioned, did you say sixty seven? Yes. There you go. Look, a rare photograph from that game. Yes, indeed. Only There's photograph. Win, only win, photograph win, of the there. And look at how many defenders are around him. <laughs> There's one, two. There's four defenders and a goalkeeper, and they're all within touch of distance of Win Davis. That's the sort of terror he he, he he put on. And that's in the background. That's Dave Hilly, I think. Brilliant. Is that and is that looking towards the east stand, George? Yeah, I'm yeah. actually. Yes. On the, I'm, I'm yes. on that picture. I'm there. You're on that picture. Popular side, yes. Yeah. Can you blow it up? Can you blow it's it a up? New, it's a new Friday night game. Spot Steve Wilkinson. <laughs> we'll bring it in. We're gonna, we'll bring, instead of spot the ball, you've got to put a cross around where Steve Wilkinson's standing, so could, where he is in the rough, crowd. I would give you a rough idea that I'm on that picture. Now. Uh, you how you well hatch, blow. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. It was it was a, it was a, a man. Jesus. It was a beautiful blue sky. You cannot see from the colour there, but it was a beautiful blue sky. So well you can see the shadows on the players. So there's the yeah. sun was out, it was a beautiful day. Um but can I just mention the reason why we went there, we were going the Gallagher end and, and George remember there was a there was a big hoo-ha game against Everton about February. Yeah. Before that. It kicked off in the Leaser's end. And because uh, in them days they didn't segregate the fans and it kicked off in the Leeds end, but as well thrown in all sorts. Everton were three and out up in about a quarter of an hour. And uh, me and my dad started to decide after that to go to the popular side. We, we went down roughly somewhere on that uh, that picture there. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. So I'm glad I found that. See? That's great. Yes. Here's a little bit of research. Go on then, Steve, on, on to your game. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was probably in the same place for this game because it's the game after. Uh, the next time we played Southampton after the one that George has talked about. Um, but I, I wanted to more to, to put it in the context of the situation. I can't actually remember much about the game other than the fact that it was a beautiful sunny day again. First game of the season, that, that game that George talked I think it was the last home game of the season. I think we had a couple of games after that, but it was it was the last home game of the season. And uh, strangely enough, the first home game of the following season was Southampton again. And on the August 1967, and uh, we won 3-0 on that game. And it was, it was again, the opposite of what George talked about. Nil-nil half-time. But shortly after half-time, we, we got into the game and, and uh, Jim Scott scored. And then soon after, Albert Bennett scored. And then, uh, about quarter now from the end, Tommy Robson. But I, I wanted to talk about the, the, the context of the position at, at that time, because... Uh, that, that season of the, of the that George talked about, it was a, the second season up, and we struggled actually. We were down in, in, near the relegation zone, and, and it was a uh, obviously there was no transfer window then, but there was a deadline in March. But in in the December, was we, we sold Alan Suddick, who was uh, probably the star man at the time, a uh, young lad that that uh, you know went on and had a decent career at Blackpool. We sold him to, but the money we got off Alan Suddick, we, we bought three players that with with first division experience, Dave Elliott from Sunderland, 
big John McNamee, a great centre half from from Hibernian actually, and and Tommy Robson, a winger from Chelsea, and and they they sort of add more solidarity solidarity to the team, along with the sort of thing that that uh, George talked about. Wind Davies up front and some of the established ones, and then Pop Robson was was starting to come through as well, um, and. Uh, We'd finished that previous season on on a good run of of, of home games, particularly. We'd we'd won uh, six out of the last seven, and uh, you know avoided relegation, even though it was it was quite close. But the the the, the season after was the the sort of build up to what was a, was a really good season, in, in, in as much as we we ultimately qualified for the Fairs Cup. Um, and and one of the things contrary to how it is today, we had a, we had a prolific home record. We actually. We had uh, in those days there was forty-two games, so we played twenty-one home games. We won twelve and drew seven, and the only two games we lost were right at the end of the season. We lost against Spurs, and we lost the last game of the season against Man City. But we, we while at one stage we'd been fifth, we, we went on to be uh, to be tenth, and that was it. Was a bit like the the sort of ESL situation in, in our favour then, because the one the one city one club rule that got us into the Fairs Cup was in our favour. Um, you know, you had you had two two teams in Liverpool, so only one of them got through. Two in Manchester, so only one of them got through. Lords in London, but again, only one got through to the thing. So the the, the, the rules, even in those days, they, they they weren't happy. The the big, however many there were at that time, uh, weren't happy with how we, as a, as a single club city, managed to get in from tenth top when when teams above us didn't didn't get into Europe. Um, so even then, what they were probably marked our card in those days to how. How we look at us now, but um, that was a good season. We're, we're pretty prolific at home, as I say. We had a good record. Uh, not long after that, again through the power of Win Davies, we we'll, we'll beat Chelsea five-one at home, and um, you know, so it was a it was a good position, and it went on to, to sort of establish yourself as a as a first division team for what I think was the second longest time we've we've stayed in the first division right up to the end of the seventies. Um, only the the Keegan era and the to the Bobby Robson up to the Ashley time was was the the longest time we've been in the first division, so we've bounced up and down the rest of it. Um, but uh, so that's my my first recollection of uh, game against Southampton. Good stuff. Okay, Stu, over to you, pal. Well, the game I want the first game I wanted to talk about was also in 1967, but I can't because I wasn't born then, and the two <laughs> lads have covered it anyway. <laughs> the, the game I do want to talk about the first one is in May 2004 it was six six days after we just got beat off Marseille in the UEFA Cup semi-final by Didier Drogba inspired Marseille and when we when I knew we were doing so that I was really happy because this was one of my favourite away trips it wasn't like the, the game was great as well but you know when you, you remember trips the, the games you know it's very rarely the game you remember, it's the everything around it. But I, before I talk about the game, I did some research on that season because I was still living in Tenerife at the time. I'd flown back about six times for games. And this was just after my 30th birthday. But uh, if any season typified Newcastle United, for me, it was this one. And I'll just give you a rundown. A few things I wrote down was the year before we finished third and we qualified for the Champions League. Only then to be knocked out by Partizan Belgrade after winning away 1-0. You know, only Newcastle could do this. So we also had a fantastic opportunity to build on and push on and, you know, add a few quality players. And we really could have went somewhere that season. Yet we didn't spend any money. And we only got Lee Boyer in on a free. And I think it was a Bridges. He was on a loan. I think Michael yeah. Bridges was on a loan. Uh, now... We didn't win our first league game that season until October. But then in typical Newcastle fashion, they go and win six of the next seven and draw in one of them. And we sold. When I said we brought Boyer and I wrote it down, we out went that season. Solano, Court, Davizas, Acuna and Caldwell left. And we only got Boyer at Bridges in. So the team was very weakened throughout that season. Uh, and when those players went, especially one of them, it then ended the infamous joke of naming six Newcastle players in one sentence, which was Shearer caught Bellamy given dire speed. And Court got sold. <laughs> so we, we couldn't use that anymore. So the, 
we start the season week up, but also this is the time when the, the stadium was now up to 52,000 and we had a new breed of fans, not the ones that would be talking about from even the Keegan years, like seven or eight years before that or well before that as most of us go back, or all of us go back. The, where they want to be entertained and they expect to win and they didn't expect Champions League football, it was demanded. You know, and anyone with a semblance of a brain could think, well, hang on, you've just sold some of your best players and you haven't really added to it. So my concern is, is when we get taken over, that the same thing will happen again. You know, we'll get a new beat of fans, I was expecting, but that's for another time. So back to the game. My 30th birthday was flying in from Tenerife on the Sunday night. Uh, the heat says, leave the travel arrangements to me. We had arranged to stay at my friend's Tony's, who I mentioned won that uh, $1.6 million in Vegas. He'd won that a few years ago. Uh, so I'd arranged to stay there. Now, he lived, moved to Rains Park. So normally if you drive down, you can drive down to London four or five hours, go around M25, cutting the A3 across the bridge at uh, Kingston, and you're straight in Rains, Rains Park. It's quite easy to drive to. But the, he'd wanted us to get there another way. So he said, uh, he says, look, he met me at the airport on Sunday night and he says, we'll be back here. We'll be back here on uh, Tuesday morning. And I says, we're flying to Southampton. And he went, no, 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 no. That was too expensive. Uh, we're flying to Stansted. So I was like, right. Do you know Stansted's nowhere near Rains Park and it's nowhere near Southampton? Yeah, but I've got a good deal on the flights. All right, off we go. So we end up in Southampton, Stansted, then have to get an overhead into London. Then have to get the tube down to somewhere else. Then get a taxi. It was proper planes, trains, and automobiles just to get to Rains Park. So instead of getting there at three in the afternoon, we got there about six thirty, seven o'clock at night. And, and Tony had put a bit of weight on with the old. Like, I think he'd been enjoying his uh, success. So the, he had bought some Yorkie bars and he was putting them on the side of his face and calling Tony a lorry driver. And the heat was like. Sorry, the Tony was getting magazines on his forehead and calling himself heathen. So this battle went on, and we ended up having a, like an all night, we'll say, a drinking session. And I went to bed at like it was like four, five in the morning, and them two were still up bantering with each other and laughing and everything else. So at eight o'clock we had to leave, and I had three hours sleep, so I become the designated driver of Tony's brand new car. Uh, and again, the heat had got us into the another nothing happened to the car. The heat of, he said he'd organised accommodation for the three of us and he put us in the Holiday Inn. So he's put it on the sat and have Holiday in Southampton. He went, no, 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 it's not in Southampton. I've got one for a five or a night cheaper and it's in Shirley. So I don't know if anyone knows that part of the world, but it's in between Southampton and Portsmouth. You know, it's a bit like saying you're staying in, I don't know, South Shields rather than Newcastle or something. And it's not the most, let's say it's in need of, well, it was in need of some urban regeneration. And uh, so basically, because we had been drinking all the time, we just parked the car, checked in, threw the bag onto the bed, and thought, right, we'll just have to keep drinking. So we went into Shirley High Street. And, you know, you know those uh, bars when you're walking and everyone stops and stares at you? <laughs> and it was just like that. So we scurried into the, the snug where there was a pool room and we started playing pool. And this guy kept coming in, offering us different uh, sort of substances. So then the end of the after about an hour, we end up calling him Booster Chemist because he had every single pharmaceutical option you wanted or didn't want. It was just so we had to get rid of him. Uh, Ginger Tim, the whole fan who I mentioned last week, he's since then moved to Southampton. So we'd arranged to meet him for a few drinks before the game. And he'd been up to Newcastle loads of times, spent many weekends with us on the drink and everything else. And we met him about 5.30. Now, we've been drinking since opening time, and that's like all through the night before. And he's like, I can't believe the state of used to me. So <laughs> he just won't get in the game. He won't get in St. Mary's. So we end up drinking vodka and Red Bull to wake us up. And as we're going into the ground... Uh, the, does the that always helps? His, yeah, of course it does. <laughs> as, as we're going into the ground, uh, he'd come up with one of his uh, all-time classic one-liners. He says, didn't worry, Tony, about getting in. I've had a word with the stewards. They're going to open the double air emergency exit door so you can squeeze in your fat. And I won't say the last word. And I said, we're all laughing at that. And we're getting in there. 
Johnny's like, I can't believe you. Johnny's when he says you drink so much. Can you all be quiet? And he was like, because <laughs> the noise was incredible because we were only two games away. If we'd won the last two games, which was Southampton away, and then we had Liverpool away. If we'd won both of them, we would have pipped Liverpool for the Champions League's fourth spot uh, by the fact that we beat Liverpool Anfield. But we didn't. We ended up drawing with them. So the, the game ends up being a uh, 3-3 classic. Uh, we were one up, two down. I think we went down, I've got it written down. Beat equalised for us and then Titus put no goal in here. We were two, one down. Uh, then we got a two each. Then the second half, Newcastle absolutely battered them. Uh, we knew we had to win. It was like the Alamo. It was really, very rarely you get one of these games watching Newcastle where they're just constantly pressurised. And it was chance after chance. Shearer had a couple of chances. And they had a goalkeeper called Antiniemi, uh, who I knew because he, he used to play for Hearts. And he was injured. So they had a young kid in, I don't know the young lad's name, and he's making his debut. Yeah, boy, I scored the second one. Yeah. And they were making his, making his debut. And he made a save from Shearer from a header from six yards out that was given his Sky Sports save of the season. And it was his debut. Uh, then... Cushnery Newcastle, they score right at the end. That's that was the first one, I believe. They scored right at the end, uh, 88th minute to go three to up. And you think this is just typical Newcastle with random ragged, seriously had them pinned back, just as good as any like Man City game this season. You know, if you watch them in the Premier League, Newcastle destroyed them. And then three two down, and we then go and <laughs> equalise the 92nd minute streak from Ambrose, who scored near the end. Uh, we knew that we weren't going to get Champions League, but the fans who had made the effort, uh, as always and as usual, were fantastic. We end up then going back at the Southampton. Tim very quickly made his excuses to leave us. Uh, so eventually, after the nightclub closed, we went back to this Holiday Inn. And like most Holiday Inns in those times, you always get travelling reps, you know, whether they're selling pens or whatever, or they're there for meetings. And there's this guy, I remember he was like from Derby. And he just wanted to speak to us. So you can imagine we weren't quiet, you know, we're very like, boisterous and vociferous at this stage. This is like nearly two full days on the drink. And he started talking, I want to buy you a drink. No, we can buy our own. And uh, he's going, Tony's a millionaire, he can buy you one. But, you know, you're from your castle, it comes natural. So we allow the guy to buy us a drink and then he wants to stay in our company and we end up having a bit crack. And the, the guy goes to bed. So... This is now at four in the morning. They said they've got to close the bar to, to tidy up for breakfast and everything in the morning. So he'd orders, I think it was 12 bottles of Stella. He says, put them on that guy's tab because he said he was paying for my drinks. <laughs> and off we went. And uh, again, no sleep. And we're getting, we're, we're checking out. We're 10 in the morning. This guy standing there with his big bill like this, like trying to like itemize it and check it out and everything else. We ended up having to. Again, I had to drive back to Rains Park where we thought, well, we'll just have a chill out afternoon, but we didn't. We ended up on the peeve again. So just like being in Dubai, which this, just on the peeve again and then flew back to Newcastle the, the next day. Just on the thing of Dubai, I'm going there in two weeks because a friend of mine, Mitch's, is his 60th birthday. So it's taken me more last week about a surprise him because he's well fond of her. You give her away when we got married. Only to find out yesterday that going to surprise him he surprised me he's not going to be there and the flight's in the hotel he's not I don't know what we're going to do Mitch for five five nights six, it's a six nights six nights I don't know what we're going to do that's outrageous sure we'll what are we going to do what are we going to do for five nights with, well, with we'll him, a show birthday to celebrate that would be a long story don't worry the next match is really really quick so sorry that's for taking up so much time don't worry Steve Hasty. Right, well, I, I struggled here because I was trying to pick a game when Stewie wouldn't have been on the drink. So um, I've, I've gone for, uh, and obviously one that he'd remember. So I've gone for uh, the 11th of December, 1975. I think he was one. So uh, that's my yeah. that's my choice. And Jeff, Jeff put a little thing up early does there. Um, it's the Texaco Cup final, 11th of December, 1975. Um, freezing cold. 19,288. Uh, Texaco Cup was one of those competitions that were put in uh, by Texaco, who were one of the oil companies that in the early 70s when decided that they were going to branch out and they were going to put 
petrol stations everywhere, and the, and the world there were good sponsors for about four or five years. We were in with we were in this competition with the elite. By the way, we had uh, it was a, it was kind of the precursor at the Anglo-Scottish. We had Aberdeen, we had uh, Air United, we had Hearts and Rangers. They were the four Scottish clubs in it. But the big the biggies at the time uh, that we had were Birmingham, Blackpool, Carlisle, Luton, uh, Borough. Obviously, Wassells, um, Norwich, uh, Oldham, Orient, Peterborough, Sheffield United, Southampton, obviously, uh, West Ham and West Brom. And I've I've missed off a team. I'm surprised. I, I don't know why I missed it. I, so it's going down the list there. Man City. Uh, don't know if I've heard of them. Apparently, they're in a. They apparently, played last night and they did okay. Yeah, but that was the that was the the, the they were the teams that 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 were selected to play in the Texaco Cup. In other words, clubs that had nothing else to play for uh, while European games were on and didn't, you know, were happy to travel um, and, and keep themselves entertained until the FA Cup started in the January because the final was in December. So we, we turned up. Uh, it was nil-nil. Uh, sorry, it was one-nil. Uh, we lost in the first leg, uh, but we quickly came back in the second leg um, with a goal by someone who's, Korea was kind of coming to the end and then, you know, was formed off uh, in 76 by uh, by Gordon Lee. That was John Tudor. He was actually substitute at the time. Uh, he came on for uh, Ray Rocky Hudson, who I think we spoke about uh, either last or week before, I'm not too sure. Uh, but uh, John came on and scored the equaliser. And, and as I say, a freezing cold night in December. He only took with X extra time, didn't it? You know, so we had another 30 minutes to, to suffer in the freezing cold. I remember I was in the paddock at the time. That, um, I don't know why we're getting the paddocks. Mind, there was only 19,288 at the game. Um, but that's where we ended up, me and I think it was Tony, my pal, and a couple of other lads. Um, but we came in the second half and, and, or in extra time and we, we had goals from, from Alex Bruce, who had been bought on the strength of the money that we'd made getting into the uh, into the FA Cup final in '74, um, but I think he came he came to the club in in January '74. He was already cup tied. His career stalled in Newcastle somewhat because of that, um, and because of our cup run. And of course, not only that, but our cup run was one of those cup runs in '74 where we played replay after replay after replay. In some cases, we played two replays. So that the lad never really got that sequence of games. But he, he stepped up and he scored. And then the final goal was from a local lad, uh, Paul Cannell. Uh, and we won the cup. We won, we won it 3-1 uh, on aggregate, as I say, after extra time. Uh, the team was McFall, Natris, Clark. I think we must have been, there must have been some in injuries here uh, going on because obviously Hudson was in midfield. Uh, two central defenders were uh, Jeff Roten and, and Paddy Howard. Mickey Burns, Supermac, uh, Cannell, Bruce and uh, Alan Kennedy in midfield. Um, obviously, again, you know that Alan Kennedy being a being recognised as a left fullback, what was playing on the left side of midfield, um, but it was it was great to think that uh, I actually saw we win something at St James's Park and win a trophy and actually have it displayed around the pitch, um, and then I think I think we ended up missing the missing the bus home back to Heaton and I, and I think we ended up having to get the train or something daft like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, that was that was my first recollection of of Southampton, and they've always been an interesting team. And Mitch mentioned earlier about them, and that you know that. But when you looked at the fixtures and you look at some of the games we've had, lots and lots of high scoring games yeah. against them. One of those mm -hmm. clubs now plenty three alls, four ones, five nils, five ones. Um, invariably, they beat us down there. And we didn't have a good record at Dell and and vice versa. They didn't travel. Um, very well up here, and also interesting. I don't know about you guys, but when I was looking back at, at ex players or players who had played for both clubs, um, and you go through the book, um, you actually see that I don't know what's the distance, but there's not many, there's not many players, and, and, and also when you go through the history, like we do on, on this show, you notice that there's especially in the in the, in the early years that we've looked at, um, players tended to not travel any further south than. Yorkshire or, or places like that or into Lancashire and uh, for to have players that were moving from Newcastle to Southampton and vice versa um, is, is quite interesting but uh, we've got 
we've got plenty of games that we can talk about where there were plenty of goals. That's the that's the good thing about uh, about about the, the games against Southampton. Yeah, uh, John Mitchison asks you a question, George, before you get to your uh, second game. He says, uh, do you remember the game in 71 at home to Southampton when the match was 2-2 and John McGrath scored and ran past Joe Harvey and gave him the V-sign? I do indeed. I would love to have seen, love to have heard the words that Joe Harvey shouted at him as he <laughs> went past him, giving him the V-sign. Uh, I think the, the origin of that, of course, is that uh, John McGrath felt that Joe Harvey had uh, let him down. Uh, and pushed him out of Newcastle United. So that was done in his way, getting his own back. But uh, as I say, I couldn't help but notice that uh, there was a nice stream of words came out of Joe's mouth as he passed. So I'd love to have known what all that was. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do remember it very well, yes. Go on then, George, give us your second game, mate. Uh, 16th of November 2002, uh, we beat Southampton 2-1. And again, the theme of uh, is centre-forwards again because... Uh, Southampton had in their team somebody that the South Southern journalists were pushing for England. In fact, the government, the England team, and that's Beatty, Jim Beatty, who uh, people have already talked about tonight. And what a strong and, and quick player he was. And, and you know, a lot of uh, the press gang were talking about the new Shearer. Well, who has an opportunity to see the new Shearer played in the same, on the same field uh, as, the, as the original? Um, and I've got to say, with, within five minutes, uh, Beatty showed his potential because he, he put Southampton one up. He just uh, sailed through the defence, pushed people out of the way and, and slammed the ball into the back of the net past Shea Given. 51,800 at the match. Uh, and this is uh, a Bobby Robson team against a Gordon Strachan team, of course. And uh, Beatty... Uh, um, gave... Uh, us, us quite a good, quite a run around in the in the first half, and he was difficult to get hold of. In the second half, uh, things quietened down a little bit because uh, um, a young man by the name of uh, Andy Griffin got a hard tackle on the Beatty, and, and Beatty could hardly walk after that. Um, so he wasn't much of a danger after that. But um, Shearer then took over, of course, and uh, he didn't score himself, but he laid on two goals: one for Amiobi. And one for Aaron Hughes, a rare one for Aaron Hughes, uh, and uh, uh, it was a it was an interesting team because we we had some uh, players who uh, we hope would be uh, great potential. Uh, Hugo Viana, for example, I always uh, hoped he would be a, a great, a tremendous player for us. And just occasionally the the the, the, the touches came out, but uh, not often enough for him to be a regular Premier Premier player. Uh, before he went back to uh, to Portugal, and then eventually fulfilled his potential. I mean, he, he was regarded as the top under eighteen player in the world when we when Bobby Robson signed him, but uh, he never came to the fore, unfortunately. But in the same team, you had uh, uh, Given, you had Andrew O'Brien, Griffin, Steve Colwell, uh, Aaron Hughes, Genus, Dyer, Speed. Viana Shearer and and uh, and Amiobi, and uh, as I say, Shearer took over in the second half uh, and took the game away from Southampton. And I have to say, in the first half, where Beatley was in the ascendancy, of course, uh, Shea Given earned his money because he made some tremendous saves to keep winning the match. Um, there could easily have been two or three up at half time uh, if it hadn't been for Shea Given. So that's my second uh, game, two one. Uh, to us, but, but an excellent game with uh, centre forwards to the four once again. Good stuff, Mitch. Over to you for your second game. I was torn between two games. I was going to talk about me one and only trip to the Dell um, to make the point, but I can make the point without talking about the game, about how our trips to Southampton were regularly moved to stupid times. <laughs> Uh, and 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 it's one of the classic examples about how the TV companies and the and the game administrators really don't care about fans, and they certainly care less about travelling fans than about the arrangements you make. You know, Stu's telling you a story about booking flights, booking hotels, and then the game gets moved to the next day. What do you do, and how do you sort it out, and do you get refunds or you know? And 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 I remember when we were involved with the trust. Uh, in one of in uh, the Hutton promotion season, we had three games rearranged at the end of the season, including one trip to Plymouth. 
that I think was moved to a yeah. Tuesday night or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and it was ridiculous. It was properly ridiculous. And when we raised the point with the Football League, the Football League basically wrote back and said, if Sky say that's when it is, that's when it is. We've got no control over it. Um, and that was the, the point I was going to make out of that trip. But it, it was a loss and I didn't want to talk about a loss. Um, I will talk about our, another high-scoring game. Um, and the, re- the reason for it is connected to that loss at the Dell. Um, it's, uh, it's December 1988, and it's Newcastle 3, Southampton 3. Um, and this was the first game that we were introduced to a name that gave our fans a, a decade of pain where every time we played Southampton, and that was Matt Letizia. That was Matt Letizia's first game against us for Southampton as a 19-year-old. Um, and it was a humdinger of a game. Um, we were certainly in a transition um, and what a, a funny sort of mix of the squad. Um, they really were, um, they, they had a, a, a spine of sort of experienced players, Mills and Case and people like that. But then they let the youngsters play and go wild around them. And they were very, very good, good to watch. We went 1-0 up after about seven minutes with Kevin Brock. Um, and then on 16 minutes, Matt Letizia made his entrance with a, with a corking goal, really. And his second, about uh, 15 minutes later, was even better. Um, and that was Matt Letizia's name etched on the Newcastle fans' minds. Um, second half didn't get off to a great start. Another name f- that I've already seen mentioned in the chat, Rod Wallace. I think he's the oldest yeah. of the Wallace, Wallace brothers. Um made it 3-1 after 55 minutes. And the key change for us was on 60 minutes when a fading Mirandina was replaced by a young Irishman called Michael O'Neill. Michael O'Neill, I think, in this game, um, I think scored his fifth and sixth goals in five games. And he was really making a name for himself. And boy, what a change that was. 66 minutes, O'Neill 2-3. And then... We had it. We absolutely battered. I know Stu was talking about. You know, you, you get to this point where you, you're just throwing everything at them. Even Rob McDonald hit the crossbar. You know, it was everything was going on. I think Tim Flowers, I think, was playing a goal for them then, and he made some fantastic saves. Um, would it be Tim Flowers then? I'd have to check. I think it was. Yeah, I'd have to. Check. I think yeah. it was. And then absolutely on the stroke of full time. Michael O'Neill makes it 3-3. He goes wild. Crowd goes wild. We're scraped a draw. That was certainly deserved on the strength of the last half hour. That second half possession. The, the, the thing about that Southampton team at the time, it did have a lot of young kids in and they were knackered by the end. They'd run themselves into the ground. Um, but that was the introduction of a young Matt Letizia and uh, he was the reason we lost in my one and only trip to the Dell was that goal he scored where he, he topped it over the top of Venison and then volleyed it into the back of the net, you know? Um, and we had a decade of that off him. He always seemed to turn it on against us. He always seemed to find another level against us. He seemed to enjoy it. And I'm sure his performances um, against us were one of the reasons eventually he got some big chances in the England team. Oh, definitely. Definitely got him recognition. Yeah. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Great stuff, uh, Steve Wilkinson. Yeah, and I think just going back to Mitchell's story, they always seem to have those games on the telly. They always seem to pick Newcastle, Southampton down there. So it's it's ridiculous. It, it, and it doesn't just happen to us, though, Steve. You, you, you look at the Mackhams, they regularly get sent to places like Portsmouth uh, yeah. on a sun, Sunday evening where there's no chance of getting home. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it, it it's ridiculous. It, it's just a total disrespect to the travelling fan base because you've then... You've got two choices, travelling a coach and you're travelling forever, or you've got to book overnight accommodation and you're shelling out extra extra money. To I have yeah. yeah. Okay, well, my second game um, is, is a, it, it's again in, in a position of when, when it, uh, you know, the, the, where we should have pushed on. It's, it's uh, 2013, February 2013, another six goal thriller. We've had two already from Stu and, and Mitch. Um, this time was a, was a win. We beat them 4-2 at, at home. And it was the season when we, the, we we should have pushed on with with Ashley investing, having finished fifth and qualifying for the Europa League the week the year before. We'd, we'd had the 
the, the fears of bringing in decent players like Kabai and Sissoko that were, were strengthening the team and we had Papi Cissé scoring and banging goals in. And, and it's the time we should have invested. And, and it's it's the start of the decline that we've we've had now, really, that actually didn't invest. And, you know, as, as was always the case with, it, with many of the teams that have played in the Europa League, the Thursday or Sunday, when you've got a small squad, is, is hit you. And this season, we're, we're kind of suffered and we're, we're, we're finished mid-table at the end of it. But this this particular game uh, featured one of, one, probably one of the, the best goals CCA scored for us. Um, the game started and, and they, they went ahead in the third minute, uh, Schneiderlin scoring. And then uh, Sissoko scored a tap-in on about half an hour. Then about uh, the, the goal of the game was, was from CCA just before half-time. And it was a uh, Robbie Elliott was in goal and, and he put a, a long ball up. And I, I think it was... Gutierrez and went, another guy went up for it. I think they both missed it and it, it landed just over their heads. And, and Cissé can hardly have seen it. it, must have been coming over the shoulder. And he hit a half volley from about 25, 30 yards and it just dipped over the keeper uh, like, like a rocket into the back of the net at the Lisa's end. And, uh, you know, it was, I think it, it, it ranks up with one of those goals, a bit like Shearer's volleys against Everton and Villa that we, we talk about. But, you know, apart from the, the fact that Cissé scored some great goals, particularly the, the Chelsea goal down there. Um, I think it was one of CCA's best goals, and that put us put us uh, in in front um, in, in in that game. And then um, they they equalised soon after half time. It was a ding dong game. At the time they they had Pochettino was manager, and, and it was this phase that Southampton were into of, of, of having good players but then selling them. So you had you had people like uh, Lalana playing, Luke Shaw was playing, and then they always seemed to sell these type of players, and, and they got into that phase Southampton of for a few years of, of doing that. So they had they had quite a decent team. Um and uh but then we went ahead and then the, the game finished with a with a bizarre own goal where the the um the ball was sort of hovering around the, the edge of the six yard box and, and the Southampton tried to clear it and it bounced off the back of the head of one of their blokes and went into into the goal and we won four two. So um but it it as well as we we carried on and ultimately lost to Benfica that that season, the last game we played in, in Europe, and, and hopefully it's not too long before we will have it again. But I don't think it'll happen under Ashley. Um, that that season we, we just didn't didn't build on what we should have done, and that was the disappointing thing. When uh, but again when we play Southampton, it's another high high scoring game. So that was my second game. Great stuff uh, as always, Stu. Over to you, mate. In line with the six goal games, I went to something often referred to as the middle season, the 94-95 season. Uh, when again, typical Newcastle, we win 15 of the first 17 games, drawn the other two. So that was game three, a nice sunny August afternoon. Uh, one of my, if not, if it wasn't my favourite partnership, uh, it would be definitely in the top three of watching Newcastle, and that was Cole and Beardsley. Uh, unfortunately, Beardsley was injured for this game. So, another player who was hugely underrated, just like Paul Goddard was, for, uh, played for Newcastle. I was actually at Newcastle Boys with him. Uh, he's won exactly one week goal under the day, Stevie Watson. You know, to me, he was England class. And if he's kept one position, whether it be centre half, he was a better centre half than right back anyway. But if they kept him in one position, to me, he would have played for England uh, and been a regular. But he he became like a makeshift midfielder, and we scored the first two within the first half hour. The, the first goal he scored, he absolutely. Thankfully, there was a net there, like because I think the ball still would have been travelling. Now he just hammered it in. We're two 0 up. Then the uh, then me main man was Andy Cole uh, notched, notched. Then we scored again. Cole set up. I think it was Rob Lee for the last one. So Andy Cole's second goal was a like a twenty-yarder. He never had much power when he was hitting from distance, but they always seemed to find the back of the net. You know, and, and this was one of them. But he, as I said, he set up probably for the for the next one. And we had a good feeling, as I said, we'd finish third and we'd start the season really well. This is the third game in a row that we won. And then after the seventeenth game, we went like I think it was like three months before we won an away game again. After that, so not to me what it was, but. Andy Cole, everyone left the match singing the Andy Cole song, which is one of my favourites. The bombers were bouncing with it. You know, times on Tyneside were good. And then five months later, he got sold to Man United. Again, typical Newcastle. So, 
That was my second game. So that's 12 goals in two games. Fantastic. Great stuff. Goals, goals, goals. Ding-dongs at the Dells. Steve, you're the, the final game tonight. I am, and I was going to pick... Well, pick the, a nil-nil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nil-nil. <laughs> I was going to pick your game, Mitch. I was going to pick your game. That was Because that, that game for me, that Michael O'Neill, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that Mirandina went off, he came on. I was going to pick that one, but I've gone right up to date. I've gone to February this year, right? I've gone to a game where it was, was one of the most craziest games I think I've seen involving Newcastle for God knows how long. Um, but that infamous February 2021, 3-2. Uh, it's not that long ago. And I'm gonna, I was going to say that. Can you remember it, lads? Can you remember it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, let's, let's have a look. Let's have a look. We, we, went, we went 2-0 up. We had Willick scoring on his debut. Uh, we'll go 2 0 up with uh, with Almiron. Uh, 26 minutes gone. It's Paul Moran. Uh, then Milamino scored for them. Uh, and it wasn't, I wouldn't say against the run play, but they got a goal and it was typical Newcastle, you know, uh, overconfident and, and let, the, let the lad in. We then had two players injured. We had, we had Wilson go off with a hamstring, we had Manquillo go off with a, which I think was an ankle injury. Um, we then went three-one up on the stroke of half time again with Almiron two goals. Um, we'd seen we'd seen ASM getting down the byline and pulling the ball back for the first goal. Everything seemed to be you know it it, it seemed to be falling into place. We then got Hendrick sent off. We had Shaw going off injured, so we played half an hour with with ten. We played twenty minutes with with nine. nine. They brought they they scored uh, a goal. And it was kind of like the Alamo, and we just probably all sat where we were watching it, just like biting my fingers, thinking, "What the hell?" That game was part of a, the first win, win in a run of eleven winless games, right? So there's there's another another little thing about about Newcastle United and about the way this season's gone. Um, and we had we had a man. We ended up six, at that point was sixteenth in the league. There's a there's an interesting number for you, and um, we ended up with with. Um, a manager saying, I don't think we've turned the corner, but I think we might have. <laughs> this is just like, you know, it's this is summed, this is summed up Newcastle United. Um it's summed up the season, it's summed up the 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 the, the run of 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 the management of Steve Bruce with everything that could go right, going right and going wrong. And being talked about and being and being trying to convince that we actually did quite well when when what we're actually watching was 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 a shambolic collapse, if you like. Um, and that that for me is just sort of that's that's been that's been our season. And, and in that ninety minutes, we had so many highs, so many lows, and so many disasters. Um, and I think we lived we lived the season through that ninety minute game. Thankfully, we came out with the with the three points, and thank God we got those three points. Because even though I mean, looking at looking back, a game with where we where we finished the last twenty minutes with nine men, having made all the substitutions and then got a player after the sending off, a player going off injured in the in the manner that Shaw did, um, that that kind of where would we have been without those three points? When you think about it, you know we would have been, we're nervous enough, even though we, we know that we're looking. So, and I'm well, I'm not going to say it, but let's just let's just say that where we are now, where would we be? Where, how would we all be feeling without those three points? Um, Bruce, Bruce has still got the class to lose it, mind. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was my game, Steve. Good stuff. Great games. Great recollections as always. Uh, we always have uh, our regular slots at the end of the show as well. Uh, celebrity fans, fans who follow Southampton through thick and thin, of course. Uh, even cold Wednesday nights at Stoke. I don't think so. Um, but uh, here we go. Uh, here are your celebrity fans. The panel have got to guess them. David Frost. David Frost. David Frost. David Frost. Sir David. Chris Packham. Chris Packham. Chris Packham. Oh, uh, I know. I know. Lucy Pinder. Lucy Pinder. Yeah. Lucy Pinder. That's it. This guy uh, goes to every game, just not on Sundays. 
Craig David. He played well them as well. Of course, he chills on Sundays. <laughs> Ed Chamberlain. Oh, that's the nah, horse racing guy. The team guy, yeah. yeah. Chamberlain. 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 Uh, last one. The guy in the middle. Uh, the, 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 Chancellor of the Exchequer. Rishi Sunak. Rishi yeah. Sunak. Rishi Sunak. Well, wow. I've got one more. I have got one more. There we go. Oh, uh, the the dr- cool cool play. Play. Will. Champion. Will champion. There champion. you go. Correct. Clean, clean sweep on the uh, celebs. Well Don't done, lads. Uh, players, players that played for both teams. Uh, had, a, had a few um, few here. Barry Venison. Venice. Barry Venison. Fitzall. Fitzall. That's all, yeah. Chira. Big Al. That. Leon Best. Leon Best. Leon Best. Best. Mint. Dave Besson. 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 Besson, yeah. Besson, yeah. Beresford. Bez. Bez, Bez isn't it? Beresford. Egan. Oh. Is that Danny Guthrie? That looks Danny like Guthrie. It's, no. it's, it's, it's Mike Williamson. Mike, Mike Williamson. Williamson. Do you know the strange stat about him, Mitch? What, that he never Did... played for? Yeah. I... He, never, he never actually I played. Never played. That's I never him played. Re- for... That's him in a reserve game. He, he holds the record of being Who signed for South... Mike Williamson. Mike Williamson. Signed Mike. for Southampton and never actually played for them in the first team. Strange. Bernard. Ollie Bernard. Ollie Bernard. Fraser Foster. 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 Well done, lads. Clean sweep on everything. Well done. Give yourselves a round of applause. Excellent. So, teams, that's it. That's all we've got to do. Yeah, well done, Mitch. Um, Steve Hasty, come to you for your team first. Right. I've gone for Fraser Foster in goal, central pairing of Williamson and Fitz Hall. Fullback were Ollie Bernard and John Beresford. I went for Danny Guthrie on one side. I went for Barry Venison in the middle. And I went for Mick Shannon on the other side with Keegan, Shearer, and a chap called Folks, who I'm sure George remembers. Billy, Billy Folks, yeah. Folks, yeah, yeah, from 1950. And I thought, you know what? Anyone who, that's right. Anyone who could put a partnership together with Jackie Milburn was good enough for me. So if you could put a yeah. partnership up with Jackie, then he can put a partnership up with Alan Shearer because he scored plenty of goals in that 1951 well, season. Another great player who left Newcastle and didn't want to go. Yeah, if he he come back to St James's Park, he would have given somebody a V sign as well. Yeah, because they, they drummed him out. That's right. It was a name that my dad used to mention on many occasion when we talked about uh, that sort of 51, 52, yeah, five team, you know, and he was yeah. one. Of players that he always felt disappointed that that never stayed because he's yeah. been, he always said that the partnership that he had up front would have been a tremendous one uh, absolutely absolutely okay Stu over to you for your team it's very similar to what Steve's just mentioned I picked Alan Pardew as the manager uh, not probably a popular decision but I like Pardew for biased reasons now uh, in goal, it was torn between Budgie because I loved Budge, uh, John Burridge or Fraser Forster, but I picked Forster because he's the local lad. Then the fullbacks I had uh, Ollie Bernard and John Beresford, and then centre half pairing was Mike Williamson, and then one side fits all. And in midfields, it was exactly the same as what Steve mentioned was Guthrie, Venison, and Shannon. And then I give Leon Best the privilege of playing up front with Alan Shearer and Kevin Keegan. That's my team. Here's Steve Wilkinson. Right. Well, I, I put Budgie in goal. Um, same fullbacks, Bernard and Beresford. Uh, Alan Nielsen, I put it in the back and with John McGrath because he was one of the, the players when I first started going and was uh, sound at the back. Midfield, Venison and Guthrie. Uh, up front, Shannon. Egan Shearer, and I put in a guy called Charlie Wayman, George you might have heard of, but quite yeah. a prolific, prolific goal scorer for, for both clubs, um, sort of wartime, the end of the war. 53, oh, games for, 53 games for us, 36 goals. 
100 games for Southampton, 73 goals in 100 games. Amazing. He, he's another one who happened to be there when there was so many good players around. I mean, it was Wayman, there was Bentley, Milburn coming on, uh, yeah, and others. It, it really was a, a heyday. But uh, Charlie Wayman fell out with the with the management with Seymour particularly, and uh, that was it. He was he was gone. He was gone. Terrific goal scorer, know that ratio. Well, but Stubbins was around at that time as well. There was there was five or six who who all uh, eventually played for England. All ours. <laughs> and their party manager. So party uh, manager as well. Okay, Mitch. Well, I went with party manager as well because I just couldn't go with Sooness. It was like being asked if I would like syphilis or anthrax, to be honest <laughs> with you. But um, in goal, I went with uh, Budgie because I just have to. My full-back pairing were um, Alan Nielsen and John Beresford. Centre-backs, Fitzhall and Barry Venison. Midfield, I went with Guthrie, Ollie Bernard and Steve Guppy. And then up front, I went with Keegan, Shearer and Mick Shannon because I've got a big soft spot for Mick Shannon. Good stuff. And George, last but by no means. Well, si similar names. Uh, Budgie for sentimental reasons in goal. Oliver Bernard, John Beresford. Um, and then in middle of the field, uh, Barry Venison, John McGrath in, in, in the middle uh, with uh, a name you've... I don't know if any of you have seen it when you were researching, but Ken Wimshurst. Now, why why would I have Ken Wimshurst? Mm. Uh, because Ken Wimshurst and I went joined Newcastle together. And Ken was one of the lads who avoided uh, Mr. Hughes, who used to run the juniors. Um Ted Hughes was great, and you just need to look at the players that came through our, our juniors. Uh, but he was a teacher, and he couldn't forget that. And some lads reacted badly to that. And Ken Wimshurst was one of them. So he went to see uh, Charlie Mitten and say, look, get me away from him or I'm, or I'm off, you know. And so he, he was left. To, uh, the two senior coaches were Benny Craig and Joe Richardson. And so Ken spent his time playing in the A team, in the Northern Alliance and the B team in the Northern Combination, but never, ever uh, played in the juniors. And the net result was that, you know, I used to see Ken at training and odd times when I played for the A or the B team, we used to meet. And then suddenly it was George Dalton said, it was the name I've mentioned in here before, do you, do you know Ken's been released? I said, no, I don't, don't realise he'd been released. He says, well, he's, he's been released and he's signed for Southampton. Well, the upshot was... Less than six months later, Ken Wimshurst made his debut for Southampton first team. <laughs> and yet he couldn't he couldn't even get in the bloody junior team for us. He had to play with the with the dead legs of the A, A and the B team. And yet six months later, he's in the first team at Southampton. Had a good career with them, uh, lost it with injury, but ended up being on the staff for quite a long time. Uh, so that's why I put Ken Wimshurst at, at, at number six. And then uh, Tony, Tommy, Tommy Mulgrew at number seven, um, Danny Guthrie at eight, Shearer at nine, uh, Kevin Keegan at ten, and uh, eleven Billy Fuchs. I couldn't leave Billy Fuchs out either, as uh, Steve's uh, used it. Uh, a great winger on either side. He could play either side. A very clever player. So that's that's my eleven. Brilliant stuff. Uh, great, great show. Lad just put up there that Niall Ranger played for both clubs. I said I was going to put Niall Ranger as sub. Did but yeah. Anyone who's ever played Sunday League would know you would never leave him with a valuables bag. Never ever. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> rumor has it. Uh, rumor has it. Rumor has it. Yeah, Budgie is virtually on every show every week, Keith. Yes, yeah. You're quite right. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's played for every. He's played for everybody. <laughs> more or less, yeah. More or less. Great show as always, lads. Um, thanks for uh, taking the time to research and uh, big shout out. I, I think yeah. of players that I know and I write them down. Yeah. And for some reason, I could I could have sworn that Kenny Sanson played for Southampton. And I searched and searched. Normally, if I can't find an eleven, I just ring Mitch and get 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 some players of him. 
But Kelly Sutton, it's weird. It's weird, and it's, it, it is weird. Sometimes you think, "Oh, I'm sure he played, but he didn't," you know. But um, yeah, yeah, no, nine times out of ten, you're right when you think it's John Burridge. Like, uh, big shout right, out yeah. to Skips and Skips and Bins uh, for coming on board. Anyway, there's all that details. Oh eight hundred two five four five two five three. Enquiries at skipsandbins.com. www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free That's and pay that. as you go. Waste collection, That's and uh, they've also agreed to come on board and help the food bank. Uh, they're keen to make a donation to them, so I've put them in touch with Steve Hasty, who has put them in touch with the food bank. So a uh, big thank you to them for that. Also, Spider VPN, uh, great lads uh, down there for your internet security. And to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables and walls and Newcastle and a jab signature. Uh, thanks to all of you guys for sticking with us and uh, subscribe to the channel by hitting the logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, I am back tomorrow night, uh, as always, on the Thursday with Supermac and Gibbo is back as well from his one-week sabbatical. So join us tomorrow night at six o'clock. I'm off for a quick pint of water and making a cuppa and then I'm back on to do a, a BKB interview uh, with Seamus Devlin. Uh, looking forward to speaking to Seamus. He's going to tell us a little bit about sport and uh, his ambitions within it. So uh, that's a quarter past seven live on the channel. But uh, until then, I'll see you uh, oh, guys. We're, we're Brighton next week, is that right? Brighton next week, yes. Yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry to Tom Dixon. Uh, we've already decided it's Brighton next week. Um, we will keep Bournemouth on the back burner, though. But uh, Brighton next week, so uh, tune in next Wednesday, six o'clock for that. Take care, lads. Good night. Yes. Good night. Bye. 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 everybody.